Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. You will open with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going to be beginning with verse 8 today. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. He consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God said to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord. O king, but Elisha the prophet who was in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. You may be seated. When I look at... Uh, this Second Kings chapter 6, the verses that we read, and, and we'll continue through the rest of chapter 6 uh, today as we look at this uh, story of Elisha and the king of Syria once more. Uh, I see three instances. It, it, to me, it's, a, it's a, about sight. Uh, you've got three glaring examples as it relates to the man's ability to see and God's what God sees. In the part that I read to you this morning, you'll see uh, demonstrated to us that God is ever present and He Amen. sees everything. Amen. When you look uh, look at uh, the, the king of Syria. Uh, he was plotting, he was sending raiding bands into the nation of Israel. Uh, and he was uh, sending them in and they were raiding the camps and the cities. All these little small bands of, of people. And he, what was happening is, is that Elisha, God was revealing to Elisha what the king's next move was. Serious king's next move was. And so Elisha would then send to the king of Israel and say, hey, this is what the king is going to do. And so it gave the king of Israel a heads up what was happening. And so the king of Israel would then send the proper guards, the proper notification for that area to be on alert for the raiding party of the Syrians. And so it was forwarding the plans of the king of Syria to raid and pillage Israel in these little raiding parties. And the Bible says it didn't just happen once or twice, meaning it was happening a lot. It was happening every time he was putting together his little raiding parties to go. Every time he planned to set up his camps, uh, this was happening. It was frustrating the king of Syria because he was not able to accomplish what he was trying to do, which was disrupt, to steal, to attack, to uh, slowly destroy a little bit Israel. So he becomes angry to the point where he's like, look, there has to be a spy in my inner circle. Someone here in this inner circle has got to be for the king of Israel because there's absolutely no way he could be finding out about all these things. 
he was convinced that someone was spying on him. And they say, no, no one's spying on you, uh, except Elisha, because he hears the very words that you're saying in your bedroom. Now, I don't know about you, but that should take a, take a moment to unline that. He, he, he hears the very words that you speak in your bedroom. See, what I take from that is this, that there's no hiding from God. When I read that, the first thing that jumps out at me is, is that what God sees, we don't see. For God sees everything. And what he thinks we have hidden from him, or what man thinks he can hide from God, is nothing but an illusion. For God sees all, even the very thoughts or words that we speak alone in our bedroom. Now for the king, the bedroom would have been the most private place that he had. It was where he would rest. He may have guards on the outside, but on the inside, that was his space. That was his private sanctuary where he could go and be alone and not be bothered. So the very thought that someone was listening to him in his bedroom was the purest violation that he could possibly experience. Right? It'd be like, what is that place in your home? Where you believe no one can hear you, no one can see you, no one knows what you're doing. It is the one place where your kids can't find you. It is the one place where you can hide from your spouse. It is the one place where you can get a moment of peace and quiet and alone time. Right? Now what would you think if you were in that room where no one could find you and then your husband said... Hey, you were hiding here and you were talking about this today. Or your neighbor, more appropriately, your neighbor came across the street and said, Hey, what are you doing in your private time? When you think it's just you. That's what was happening here. There's no hiding from God. He lives, if you're you're a believer, he lives inside of you. You take him with you everywhere. There is no place that you and I can hide from God. Amen. There is no place where God's enemies can hide from Him. Amen. So it should both scare us, but also give us peace that God, uh, we are never or nor is anything hidden from His sight. It, it should give us a bit of fear, the fear of God, right? Knowing that God knows every secret thought that we have. He knows every plan, every machination before it comes off of our lips. He knows the things that we have done in secret that we think nobody else knows about. He knows the hate that I have against my brother that I don't share. He knows the resentment that I hold against my sister that I do not share. He knows the habits that I struggle with that nobody else knows about. He knows the secrets that I don't tell anyone. He knows it all. And that should touch us to help us realize that we can hide nothing from God, so why even try to? Why even try to hide from God? In fact, it's nothing more than a statement of our lack of understanding of who God is that we would even in our human reason try to hide anything from God. Because we can't. In my, in my off, uh, in my uh, not this house, but the house we had before this, I had my office in the basement, and it was in the basement for a reason. Because no one else went to the basement, right? It was 
down there. I shut the door. I had a lock on the door. I hid from everybody in that office. Right? My family came over, hid in the office. Wife's family came over, hid in the office. Kids wanted something, hid in the office. Right? I didn't. If I wanted, not want to be found, I hid in that office. To the detriment of many relationships in my life, trying to hide. Right? Hiding from them because I didn't want to fake a smile. Hiding from them because I didn't want to show hurt, really. It was selfishness on my part. Because I didn't want to pretend that everything was okay. Hiding from them because my skin was crawling because of anxiety. And I didn't like being in the, the crowd of all the people that was coming over or there. I didn't know how to interact. I didn't know what to say. I was uncomfortable in my own house. And so I hid, thinking that hiding was the best option for me to stay away. But all it did was cause hurt and resentment. And when you and I try to hide from God, maybe for what we believe as altruistic reasons, good reasons, we're doing God a favor. We're not going to burden him with our troubles, our burdens, our desires. All we're doing is hurting ourselves. And it took years to repair the damage that I did to my wife's family in particular. Because of running every time that the big group came over and hiding. We do damage to ourselves. We're not hurting God. We're hurting ourselves when we try to hide from Him. Amen. He already knows. He already sees. So why not just be honest with Him? It'll give us freedom if we're just honest with Him. Uh, I love one of the things Pastor Tony Evans talks about. Dr. Tony Evans, he says, when you and I pray, specifically when you and I are in our confessing time, which we should be doing all the time. Be specific with God. Now I gotta tell you, that changed the way that I prayed because I'm a, I, when it came to my sins, I was very generic. <laughs> God forgive me for every rebellious thought or every rebellious action that I have taken. Right? Who likes to think about all the bad things they did during the day? But that challenged me because what Dr. Evans said was, is God already knows and I need to make sure that I know. That I got to acknowledge that when I told that lie, I knew it was wrong. And I got to acknowledge that when I clocked off a half hour early, but still put in that I put in eight hours, that I was stealing. Come on now. I'm sure none of you guys ever do anything wrong like that, but sometimes I have. Right? I need to confess and ask so that I don't do it again because I acknowledge that it's wrong, but when I gloss over things, I actually impugned God and his character by saying, God, you probably didn't notice that. So I'm going to be general and say, forgive me. Amen. But I need to be specific. Amen. Being specific gives freedom. Amen. When you confess it, you acknowledge it, you put it out there, it will bring freedom. But many times, oh, I don't even know why I'm going this way, that you and I live in guilt and shame is because we're not specific when we ask for forgiveness. Amen. So we're caught in guilt because truthfully we've never asked for forgiveness for what we've done wrong. Because we're not sorry, so we ignore it. And it changed my life for years. I was general about praying to God when I confessed. But God doesn't want us to be general. He wants us to be specific. He already knows anyway. You might as well cough it up. (laughs) Right? It will bring freedom by being specific when we confess. God knows anyways. We cannot hide from God. Now the other part is that she gives us peace. 
So God knowing should bring a fear, but freedom, but it also should give us peace. Because it lets us know that God knows what our enemy is doing too. Yeah. That Satan can never plan anything that God doesn't know about. See, Satan can't have some secret weapon buried out there, nor his enemy, to use against you that God doesn't already know about. Amen. Satan has no secrets. Amen. So no matter how he tries to whisper in your ear and convince you, or convince me that he's got your number, that he's got you down, that he's got the thing that's going to destroy you, God already knows. It is not a surprise to him. He's not shot. He already knows. And he already knows how to thwart it. That should give you an eye peace. To know that God already knows the enemy's attack, his plan, everything he plans to do, what he did yesterday, but he knows what he's going to attack you with today, and he knows what he's going to attack with you tomorrow, and he has what you need to uh, overcome that attack. Amen. Amen. He has it already worked out, already planned, if we will depend upon him. Amen. Now, Elisha... Heard from God, that's the only way he possibly knew, is that God was revealing to Elisha the plan of the king of Syria. Now, Elisha relayed that word to the king of Syria, or to the king of Israel. Now, the king of Israel had a choice to make. Do I say Elisha's a kook? Or do I listen to what Elisha has to say and act upon it? Sometimes, God tells you and I how to thwart the attack of the enemy, but we're so blinded that we do not follow what God instructs us to do. Amen. And therefore, the enemy is successful and is attacked against you and I. And then we get upset and angry at God. Well, why didn't he warn us? He did. But we chose to ignore him. See, the enemy... He already knows everything I'm saying. He already knows that God knows. What he's relying on is for you not to know. Amen. And you not to listen to God when he talks to you. Or for us to not be close enough to God to hear God when he talks. Amen. He's relying on that. He's relying on us. He already knows God knows everything. He already knows all that. He's relying on you and I to not be talking to the one who knows everything. To not act upon what God shares. To not listen to His direction and His guidance. So the king of Israel acted upon what God was telling Elisha. And Elisha was in turn telling him. And it was frustrating the king of Syria. It was making him angry. Because it was demonstrating to him that his plans didn't mean anything. His machinations didn't mean anything. Nothing he did meant anything as long as God was relaying his plan to Elisha. As long as Elisha knew there wasn't anything that he could plan that, Elisha, that he was going to be successful with. It angered him. So he goes after Elisha. So the first thing is this. God sees and knows everything. And let me tell you this too. That God will, and because of who he is and his character, God will deal with you in private. But if dealing with you and I in private doesn't work, he will make it public. Amen. Now I gotta tell you, I got stuff in my life I don't want made public. I'd like to deal with it in private first. 
God, can you and I have a powwow first before you take this to the, you know, to the evening news? It's because of who he is and his mercy upon us that if you and I will not deal with it in private, you will make it public. And even saying that, that scares me. Because you all have stuff in your life that you've done or that you struggle with that you don't want nobody else to know about. That's why you might as well take it to him first. That's why I might as well deal with it with him first. Deal with it, get through it, talk to him, ask him for his help, deal with how it's uncomfortable, and then I can move on rather than having to deal with it out in the open. In the public. Because what is done in the dark will be brought to the light. Amen. What is done in secret will be revealed Amen. if we do not handle it with him in his presence. Amen. And I think we all can relate that we don't want that to happen. Amen. That we want to acknowledge he sees, acknowledge that he knows, and then go to him accordingly. Acknowledge that he sees the plans of the enemy and go to him accordingly. Amen. Next. If you look now to with me to verse 14, it says, uh, Therefore he, the king of Syria, sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the, uh, of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, This is Elisha. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw him. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and and, uh, and, uh, chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike the people, uh, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of God. So the next thing that has to do with sight here is that Elisha's servant could not see what Elisha could see. So Elisha's servant walks out one morning to get water from the well or whatever he's doing out there. And he says, oh my goodness, we are completely and utterly surrounded by the king of Syria's army. Chariots and horses and men, they have completely surrounded us. I don't know what we are going to do. Uh, it looks like the jig is up. Right? This is, this is, up. This is it. He runs into Elisha and he says, Elisha, they found us, they are here, and they have surrounded us. What are we going to do? The servant could not see what was there because he was not in tune with God the way that Elisha was in tune with God. The enemy is relying on you and I to not be able to see what God sees. Amen. He's relying on you and I to not be in tune with God so that we miss God's hand moving. He's relying on you and I to be so uh, uh, blinded by selfishness and self-centeredness and what's happening in us and to us that we do not see God's hand moving and God setting things up. Why? Because he knows if we're not watching, we cannot see the forest through the trees. We will become angry, frustrated, resentful, fearful, feared with, filled with anxiety, and not know what to do, and get scared and give up. Amen. And do something stupid, yeah. like surrender. Right? Just 
because of our selfishness and our self-centeredness, our desire, look, your innate desires to want to live and to survive, that's inside of you, uh, we'll want to give up, make it easier. No one likes to hurt and be in pain. No one likes to suffer. No one likes to be surrounded by the enemy not knowing what's going to do. But if the enemy can focus on the enemy instead of what God's doing, he'll convince you to surrender instead of fight. Amen. Right? I'm sure the servant is thinking, well, maybe if we go out and beg for mercy, they'll have mercy on us. Or they'll be good to us. I mean, there was no way out. It was with them or not. Dead. They were either going to leave with them or they were going to die in their place. It was, there was not going to be a, a good outcome here. So self-preservation mode kicks in. How am I going to get out of this? Right? How many of us do that? How am I going to get out of this? How can I fix it? Amen. Things are breaking. Things are falling apart. How can I fix it? How can I make it not hurt anymore? How can I make it stop? And we don't look for God's hand moving to see that he started putting things in place to fix it. But we're not watching that. And so therefore... We try to fix it on our own and make it worse instead of better. Let me show you this too. Sometimes people that we have attached ourselves to are making messes and we get drugged into their messes. Amen. Yes. Right? Because they're blind, because they can't see what God's doing, we get pulled into their mess. We allow ourselves to be dragged in with them while they are disobedient and while they were they are chasing stuff and trying to fix things on their own and they're mad and they're frustrated with God and we allow them to drag us right down with them. Right? And we've got to have our spiritual eyes open. We can't allow them and their blindness to blind us. Right? Right? In all things, we can't allow them and their blindness to blind us. We've got to keep our eyes centered upon God. Elisha could have become flustered. What do you mean all these people are out there? What are, you, what are you talking about? But he knew what he knew. And he knew that God was already outside with a standard. He wasn't going to be distracted by his servant or his servant's fear or his servant's anxiety or his servant's you know, uh, desire to self-preserve. He already knew he already saw the picture. God already had it worked out. So he wasn't going to worry. When we are facing pain and suffering and trials and hurt, don't be blinded by only what's in front of you. I cannot afford to be blinded by the pain and the hurt and the suffering. Have you ever... I can remember doing this as a kid. I'm sure I've done it a few times as an adult. Hurt yourself bad that you blurred your vision. You ever done that? I've done that time too. Uh, when I was a kid, I was a klutzy mess. I still am, but I was even worse. I got hurt all the time. <coughs> Terrible. Uh, I don't know how I made it to adulthood. Uh, I fell. I hit my head. I don't probably. I, these football players say they got concussions. Let me tell you, when you fall on level ground, bumping your head on the ground from the time that you're able to walk into your grown man. I mean, it was awful. I don't know how I made it. That's why my brain's out of like that. But I used to hit myself, hot, like hurt myself so hard, so bad sometimes, that it would blur my vision. Smack my head on something so bad that you're like, oh, what was that? And like your eye, you, you know what I'm saying? 
And all you can think of for a moment is you're focusing so much on the pain that you can't see what's out in front of you. Right? That's what happens to us. We get a good thumping and we're so focused on the pain that we cannot see the one who can relieve the pain. Amen. We're so focused on the hurt or what's happening right now that we cannot see the one who can heal us. Who could fix it? Who could make it all better? Because we're focused on the pain and the hurt. When the one who can fix it is right there, just waiting for us to call on him. Amen. It must frustrate God when he knows he has the answer, but his children refuse to look to him. Amen. Wow. It must. It must make him upset. It must hurt him. When he knows I've got it right here, he's got to look up. They just, they just got to look up and take it. I've got it right here. But we're so busy looking down and looking at the thing that's occupied our attention that we do not look towards God and we do not take the gift, the healing that he has for us. And I'm guilty of that. Not being so focused on my pain and my temporary suffering that I don't take the time to look towards God. That's when you and I need God the most. That's when we need to be looking at him the most. When the devil, listen, when the devil is attacking you with everything he's got, when he's surrounded you, that's when we need to be looking at God the most. Because that means he knows something you don't know. Right? So he knows something's coming. He knows something about you that you may not know about yourself. He knows that God's got a plan. God has a purpose. He knows. So when the devil's attacking you and me, when he's hitting us in our health, or he's hitting us through our families, or he's hitting us emotionally, he is attacking us. That is the time for us to look up more than any other at God, because it means that maybe God's got something great just on the horizon waiting for us. But the enemy was coming to attack. But God had a bigger plan. His plan was he was going to blind them and take them right back and deliver them to the king of Israel. This army that came to attack uh, to gather Elisha, his God's plan was he was going to take that army willingly. They were going to do it of their own accord, march back to him right through the gates of Samaria, right to the king of Israel's home arms. God had a plan. He had a purpose. He had it all worked out before the army ever showed up. God already knew what he was going to do. So if you're in the midst of pain and suffering, where Right now, you're in the midst of trials and hurt. Look up towards God, not away from Him. Amen. Amen. Look at where your help comes from. Amen. For it comes from the Lord. Amen. And then finally, the last bit of blindness is the blindness of the enemy. The enemy came with a purpose. That purpose was to take Elisha captive so he could no longer give the king's secrets out. If he couldn't talk to the king, he couldn't give the king the info. So I'm going to take him. Is he going to kill him or, or take him and keep him captive? I don't. We don't know which. When he shows up, Elisha prays and says, blind him. And that's exactly what God does. See, there is a blindness that God issues. 
upon man. Where he keeps man from being able to see what's right in front of him. In order to accomplish his purpose and his will, he exerts control, takes over the situation, and he causes blindness so that they could not see what was in front of them. God does that to accomplish his purpose. He keeps people from seeing what is really there because he has something he is doing. And in this case, he blinded those men. They were so blind that they didn't even recognize Elisha. They were so blind that when Elisha, they followed the man they were looking for. Not only did they follow him, not knowing it was him, that he led them right into the gates of Samaria, right into the gates, and they didn't even know they were in the enemy territory and the king's hands. How crazy is that? That they were so addled, that God had addled them so much, that they were following the man that came to arrest, to take, right into the hands of their own enemy, and didn't realize where they were going the whole way. That God was he's so sovereign, and he's so powerful, that he could do something like that. He can... He can intervene on our behalf and take something like that where that he turns the situation completely around so that the one who meant harm ends up experiencing good. The one who meant to do harm to us, it turns into good. God can do that in instance. No matter how it seems like the odds are not in our favor, God can flip the switch. No matter how much it seems that we don't have hope or a way out, and in an instant, God can change even the most battle-hardened enemy. Amen. Change their direction. So they lead themselves into captivity. Amen. I mean, how crazy is that? That they thought they were still doing what they were supposed to do, but they were actually doing what God wanted them to do. Amen. That's what happened with Pharaoh. He thought he was doing his own thing. No. He was doing God's thing. You see, because before Pharaoh ever said no the first time, God had already planned him to say no 12 times. See, he already had the plagues worked out. The frogs, and the lights, and the boils, and the cattle, and all those things. He already knew the angel of death was coming, folks. He already knew. Pharaoh thought he was operating independently. Pharaoh thought he was being stubborn. Pharaoh thought he was hurting God. Pharaoh thought he was hurting the nation of Israel. What he didn't know was that in all things God was using him to accomplish his purpose. All the way through. So when the enemy thinks he's hurting you, he can actually be serving God's purpose. When the enemy thinks that he's putting you in your place, he can actually be doing what God is having him to do. That's why we got to seek God above all things. So that we can be sensitive enough to know that God is moving and to follow after him despite what we see with our natural eyes. Because the enemy thinks he knows what he's doing. He's got it all planned out and he's operating autonomously. But what's really happening is he's being controlled by the hand of an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God. So we should never be afraid. 
afraid. We should never have to worry. We should never have to doubt. Knowing that God controls your enemies. Amen. Think about that for a second. Yes. With but a word, he blinded an entire army. With but a word, God can take the enemy in your life and shut it down. With well, by the word, he can change his next action, his next choice. With well, by the word, he can take that boss and give you favor. Yeah. Amen. He's in control. With yes, well, by the word, he can bring healing. With well, by the word, he can bring salvation. With well, by the word, he can bring deliverance. Yes, yes. And in an instant, Amen. God doesn't need planning time. Amen. He's already got it worked out. Amen. God doesn't need us to tell him how to do it. He's got it all worked out. He already knows. He just needs you and I to have a little bit of faith. To trust Him in everything. To know He's in control. And to know that even our enemies belong to Him. Your boss at work, He belongs to God. Your unruly child, He belongs to God. Your family member who's attacking you belongs to God. Amen. Everyone belongs to God. Amen. He's in control and He is sovereign. Amen. And if God is sovereign and He's in control, and by nature God is good and perfect, that means if you belong to Him, you are going to be okay. Amen. Amen. Because the one who's in control has you and my best interests at heart. Yes, man. So if I know that. What should I be afraid of? Whom shall I fear? Amen. Right? Though the mountains be moved. Mm-hmm. Though the earth fall into the sea. Amen. Who do I have to fear? Amen. Yes. Because God, He fights for me. Yes. He He's with me. Yes. Yes. He lives inside of me. Yes. He can take the enemy, blind him, and turn him away so he thinks he's doing the right thing when he's doing what God wants. He can do that for you. He can take the enemies in my life and your life, blind them, and accomplish his purpose. In fact, many many times I think he's just waiting for you and I to look towards him. He's getting our attention, and he's waiting for us to call on him. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach the loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you. Bless you.